This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, January 26th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, I can't tell you how good it feels to officially begin this, the 13th season of Franchise Today with a fresh new interview following a holiday season like none other in memory, as Santa brought me COVID for Christmas. And to this day, some of its lingering symptoms still have a grip on me that just do not want to quit. That's why the delayed start to this the 13th season. That notwithstanding, I must tell you that presenting encore performances over the past two weeks, featuring the likes of David McKinnon and Michael Isaacson, proved just how timeless the fundamentals of franchising are. There was so much take-home value in these interviews, every bit as applicable today as was the case almost three years ago when these interviews originally aired. So, for those of you who heard them again, Good on you. I'm certain the refresher was meaningful. And if this was your first opportunity to hear from or about these guys, Google each of them and learn more about their rich franchise experience and history. And I'm proud to count them both as personal peers and friends. Today we'll hear another inspiring story when Zach Butler, co-founding partner of Horsepower Brands, shares the story of his amazing ascent becoming a multi-unit franchisee in his early 20s to losing it all before taking a mulligan following a wipeout that included bankruptcy and then bouncing back bigger and better with his second bite of the apple. All of this before migrating to the franchisor side of the business and learning firsthand the difference between franchise sales and franchise development for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. So, let's take a quick break right here, pay some bills with a word from Atmosphere TV, and Zach Butler will join me right back here in two minutes or less. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, franchisors of restaurants, bars, grills, and taverns, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. Atmosphere TV wants to help you cut costs on overpriced cable TV for your business and either replace it completely or partially if sports programming is essential at your locations. What Atmosphere TV provides are 100% free programming options with more than 50 channels of highly engaging and entertaining programming that is audio optional and guaranteed to please your customers and even increase their average ticket per visit. So here's how it works. Atmosphere hooks you up with an Apple TV HD receiver loaded with more than 50 channels of fully licensed, no cost to you, fun and lifestyle programming. These channels include Chive and Red Bull TV. TV, bloopers, superhuman feats, and an array of viewing options that don't require sound to be enjoyed. And this offer is not just limited to restaurants or bars. No, any business with a TV screen in its waiting room can benefit from Atmosphere's free programming offer as well. So what are you waiting for? Cut the cord on overpriced cable and get Atmosphere TV with its 100% free, engaging, and entertaining programming options. Keep your guests happy while they wait to see you. 
instead of watching the clock and their wait times, chiropractors, doctors, dentists, auto repair shops, anyone with TVs in your waiting rooms, jump onto this amazing offer today. And if you text the word FRANCHISE to 474747, Atmosphere will waive the $100 setup fee for the Apple TV HD receiver that they'll ship to you as well at no cost. Atmosphere TV, changing the way businesses view television. Find them online at atmosphere.tv and remember, text FRANCHISE to 474747 for the no-charge Apple receiver. Cut the cord and get rid of cable today with Atmosphere TV. Zach Butler began his career in franchising as a young, ambitious franchisee with Nebraska-based Complete Nutrition and later as a multi-unit franchisee of Color World House Painting. He later went on to take up a variety of roles in franchise development with five different brands. Zach has gained a wealth of knowledge on building brands and businesses. All of this has led him to most recently co-found Horsepower Brands with his good friend and peer, Josh Skolnick. To keep things interesting, Zach and his wife also co-own Butler Beef, a company that provides high-quality beef raised on their family ranch in Pender, Nebraska. Zach Butler, welcome to Franchise Today. Hey, great to be here. Great having you. I'm really, really intrigued by what you guys are up to, and I'm really happy to get to unpack the story of your business and how it's come together and grown. But we're going to start, as I always do first, Zach, and that's really just rewinding the tape to first learn about you and how franchising found you. You know, I got started in franchising at a really young age. Um, so I went to college. I'm from a, well, from a really small town in northeastern Nebraska called Penn. And went to college in Lincoln and really didn't know what I wanted to do in life, like probably most people. And I stumbled across a nutrition store that had just opened in the mall. And I recognized somebody that worked in there, uh, hung out and ended up working there part time in college. And about two weeks after I started, everybody in the, in the store quit. The manager quit, the assistant manager quit, and I was the last one. So I was the new manager by default. And uh, I said, I'll do it until you find somebody better. And uh, I did that for quite a while. And and about, there was five corporate stores. I was by, I think I was 18 and I was by far the youngest manager and uh, built that up to the number one location. A little bit after that, they began franchising and uh, I knew I wanted to become a franchisee. And uh, uh, I convinced the founder to to co-sign an SBA loan and I packed my bags and I moved to Tallahassee, Florida, where I didn't know a soul. And I uh, opened up my... uh, first location a little bit after my 21st birthday. So what kind of business was that? What was it? It was kind of like a GNC type location. It was called Complete Nutrition. They, uh, the, the founder of that franchise system owned the top grossing GNCs in the country, was forced to sell them back. Uh, he was selling some of his own products in the stores, which they became, they kind of made new policy that that was no longer acceptable. He broke away, started Complete Nutrition. And that's really right when I started as a part-time associate. They had five, uh, they had five corporate locations. And then about two years into that, I had just turned 20 and they began franchising and I, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go off on my own, create my own destiny. And I moved to Florida when I was 20 and then opened right when I turned 21 or I think the month after. And how long did you operate? So I opened my first location in Tallahassee and that was in uh, 2008, I believe. And I uh, had a lot of success. Did 1.3 million the first year open. Opened a second location about 
six months in, that location did just under a million. And then over the next uh, 12 to 15 months, I acquired three locations and opened two more. And in two short years, I was doing almost 8 million in revenue across seven locations all throughout Florida. And I did that for a few years and things were great. I was a young kid, didn't really have the business acumen at the time. And what little did I know, but I was personally guaranteed on every lease for 10 years. Well, when Amazon got into that industry, it really started to shake things up and turn it on its head. And I ended up losing everything. Uh, had to file bankruptcy, went back to square zero. And there was another franchisee who had about 10 locations and he was looking uh, for someone that could really help with the sales and marketing training, et cetera. So I came on there, but I, I'll never forget, I negotiated a $22,000 annual salary, but I wanted equity and future growth. Um, there really wasn't a big growth plan to be frank, but I knew that we could do it. And that was my personality. And in three years, we took that from 10 to 68 locations across the country. And at that point, we owned 30, I think 5% of the franchise system. So this was the flip from the franchisee to the franchisor side of the equation then? No, that what- I was still the franchisee. So I was a franchisee, lost everything, had to start over. And there was another franchisee who had about 10 locations and we partnered up and we grew that to 68 locations of Mm -hmm. the same franchise for the number of locations. Us as a franchisee, uh, we owned, I think, 35% of locations actually. And how long did you stick with that? So we did that for about a decade. And then the franchisor sold the private equity and they were on, they were making some big changes. And my partner was on board with those changes. And I could really see the the writing on the wall that this was going to happen again. And uh, I, so I sold my equity and got out. And I had no idea what I was going to do. And they always say, it's not what you know, it's who you know. But the founder of that franchise, after they sold, started a franchise development company. And he had been trying to get me to come on there when he was just in the early stages with an idea. So I came on there, was really the first hire. And Josh Skolnick, who's my partner now, his first brand, Monster Tree Service, was the first brand. And that's really how we got connecting them in. Well, that takes care of that question. I can check that box because I was wondering where you and Josh first crossed paths. With Josh, you know, we met in the pool in Cancun and we just, I mean, we just really hit it off. And there's people that I think you meet, there's people that you meet that you're just destined to work with. And that's Josh and I, we've, I think we've talked to, we talked to almost for, we've talked every single day, almost for five years, never had an argument, kind of aligned on vision right away. And uh, we, that first year that we partnered uh, with them, um, uh, Josh had just come off of a hiatus where he was, he had paused franchise development for two years to really rebuild the organization, add more infrastructure. Because what he went through, every franchise brand goes through, where they launch their franchise and they they underestimate the amount of capital and the amount of infrastructure and people it's going to take to do that. And when he launched, relaunched it, that's right when we partnered up together and we awarded about 100 locations that first year in development. That concept was very difficult to sell. It was tree service. And we did not want people from the tree industry. And uh, the first, I think, four months, we really struggled. And I finally got after it and started really hammering the phones with some of the franchise consultants out there and we started getting more and more momentum and uh, we did uh, right at 100 territories the first uh, within that first year as we kept going josh acquired a concept called redbox plus and i did the development at that point and we uh we awarded 129 locations in the first year and i really at that point understood the development process had a had a knack for that and a vision of where i wanted to go and josh and i had talked every day about we need to partner up and just keep doing this the right way because how we were doing things 
from an ethical standpoint and just how, how transparent we were about our process, it was very obvious that we were doing something much different than everyone else. So we had the idea that we were going to start our own our own company together. So 50-50, we walked in and we started Horsepower Brands. We acquired our first concept, which was Mighty Dog Roofing. And we launched that in January of 2021. And uh, we're, we're just finishing out Jan- January of this year, but we'll do just under 200 territory placements this year. So we've got nothing but better at the development process. And since then, we've acquired three other brands. Brands. We've started three other verticals to support the franchisees, and we're on our way to achieving our, our goal, which is to have 25 concepts and verticals by the year 2025. You've become quite an enterprising, well-known development professional, chief development officer. Where did you get all your skill sets from to do that? I mean, I understand you were quite enterprising as an entrepreneur. You're a serial entrepreneur. You've been a franchisee. You've built and developed businesses from the Z side. Now you're in the seat that's helping others become what you were successful at. So I think that's a great, great experience to to be a franchise development pro having been a franchisee and understanding what it's like day to day to no matter what the brand to exist in in a franchise relationship how much of that has been responsible for the successes of the things you're doing now in your mind well you know uh, there's a good saying one of my favorite quotes is good decisions come from experience and experience comes from bad decisions That's i was right. part of that franchise that original franchise that i was a franchisee of i was really on the baseline of helping build the franchise model because i was there before they started franchising and then as an early franchisee you know you're the one of the pioneers that's helping pave the way. And then when I got into franchise development, I had just come off of building a, a mega franchisee at that point where we had 68 locations where we were our own kind of franchise at that point. So you kind of learn what's repeatable and that's what's not repeatable. But as a franchise development rep, I was heavily involved in the operation and the vision planning with each of the brands. And what would frustrate me is that I could see out farther than they could with uh, a lot of times with the amount of capital that I was going to take the people that they're going to need. And that was a hindrance. So after doing that for about 10 brands, you know, you start to learn what works and what doesn't. But in franchise development, my gift was that I could see the sales process pretty quickly and understand where value needs to be put and uh, how do you let franchisees understand what it's going to be like and how it's going to fix their pain points. But, you know, through that journey, uh, Josh acquired a second brand called Redbox Plus, and uh, I built out the franchise development process for that brand. And that first year we did 129 territories. And then Josh and I made that decision to partner up and we wanted to form our own umbrella company that would acquire brands, launch them, but we wanted to do everything in house. We want to do the development and then vertically integrate all the services. And when we did that, I left that development company and and really immersed myself on uh, the Redbox Plus leadership team where I brought traction to that business, led the the traction meetings, was involved in almost every department, all while doing franchise development. And in in three years, we awarded over 300 locations, opened every single location and had not a single location close. And we're pretty proud of, the, of that process. But we were fortunate enough that we were uh, were able to have an exit with Monster Tree to private equity. We sold a Redbox Plus to Belfort. Uh, and that's given us the capital to basically pour into horsepower brands where Josh and I have really launched this umbrella company and had some success early on. So what led to Mighty Dog? What was the process of deciding what your first brand under the umbrella would be? Yeah. You know, so we have a pretty specific criteria on what we want in a brand. So we want to be able to target candidates that are at a higher executive level that are what, that are more well capitalized. That candidate wants a better return on their investment and they want a bigger business model. And roofing is the largest average ticket on the home. There's a roof on every house. It's needed in every facet of the economy, uh, you know, upwards, spiraling downwards, et cetera. But we, we both knew that that was something that we wanted to be in. And we had just come off of building something in the tree service space, the, the dumpster space, 
space. And we realized that there's a big demand for that service, but there's no one doing it well in the franchise world. So we ended up finding a company, we made the acquisition, and then we launched that in January of 2021. And uh, we're finishing January of 2022, but we're on pace to do about 200 territories in the first year of development. And that brand from a leadership standpoint, we've got some fantastic people in place that run the day-to-day for us in that business. And how many of those are up and running at this point? I think we have around 125 up and running. And then we have a big group of franchisees that are launching March and April this year. So by uh, end of April, we'll have all 200 of those launched. So you talked about Gino Wickman and Traction. I Just interesting sidebar. I've known his father for a million years. Really? Get out. And the apple didn't fall far from the tree. So Floyd is his dad's name. And Floyd was a very famous real estate trainer. He trained real estate agents to be multi-million dollar agents instead of the only 10% of that industry's successes made the big money. The rest were just marginal or they had their licenses in real estate just for personal transactions. Well, Floyd Wickman taught ordinary people to become exceptional real estate agents. And he did it with a program he used to call the Sweat Hogs. You ever talk to Gino and say Sweat Hogs, he'll know that you know about his dad. Mm, that's fantastic. That's interesting. Small world. Yeah. But great people. The apple again didn't fall far from the tree. So I'll tell you what, let's do. Let's take a quick break here. And when we come back from that break, I'm going to want to learn a little more about the interaction of you and Josh in the day to day and what you do and what you don't do and what you've delegated to others, which is an interesting thing to see in a young emerging brand. So we'll pick up on that right after a quick break. We're talking today with Zach Butler, founding partner of Horsepower Brands, and we'll be right back. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zor Forum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zor Forum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zor Forum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zor Forum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations, but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive sets, so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zor Forum. Learn more at zorforum.com. That's www.zorforum.com. And the conversation continues with Zach Butler, founding partner of Horsepower Brands, the portfolio company over Mighty Dog Roofing and a growing portfolio of brands at that. So we're up to how many brands today? Uh, As of today, we have four brands acquired. We have three verticals that support the franchisees that are launched, and we have two more acquisitions for brands that should be launched here soon. Any names you want to share of those that are already in place? Yeah, we have Mighty Dog Roofing, uh, which focuses on residential and commercial roofing. 
Uh, that business is about to get an additional service, which is solar, which is going to be really exciting. Our second brand was Blingle, which is uh, exterior lighting, landscape lighting, holiday lighting, event lighting. Our third brand is iFoam, which is spray foam insulation, residential and commercial. And our fourth brand is Heroes Lawn Care. It's an executive model that offers fertilization, aeration, irrigation repair, and then dog waste removal. So with that concept, we're able to be on the homeowner's property every single week, which uh, creates a, a heavy level of retention. So what roles did you and Josh assume with the first acquisition with Mighty Dog? How involved were you in the day-to-day before you kind of stood back from that? You know, we're big believers in focus. So I, I always love to say focus creates wealth and diversification preserves it. So in the beginning of Mighty Dog, we were in the trenches on a daily basis with every facet of that launch. So Josh and I had sat down and really built what we believe is our proprietary franchise or model. That, and that's one of the reasons why we think we're, we're having the success we are. But we really went through and we, as we created that, um, when we launched our, our first brand, primarily from scratch, we acquired that brand, we re-trademarked it, we changed a lot of the systems and processes, we brought on a new CRM, new technology. Uh, we were involved heavily in every step of that process. Uh, but as we were going through, we were working with our integrator to make sure that we were documenting all of the changes. So that way, when, when the next brand gets launched, um, we have those changes kind of set in place to make sure that we, we can replicate a lot of it. So for the first brand, for the first, I'd say, six to eight months, we were heavily involved in the trenches. During that time period, we had been looking for what we call a brand president, which is really the CEO of that specific brand. And those are top, top key, you know, top executive type individuals that have an integrator mindset that uh, have a lot of experience managing people and can do a very good job of executing. So as we kept growing that business, we kept adding a lot of intellectual capital and that search with Mark Stanek, who's our current brand president of Mighty Dog Roofing. And then on a day-to-day basis, moving forward with brand acquisitions, how do you and Josh interface there. So we're involved in the beginning and the first steps to learn about the brand. A lot of times we'll fly out to understand a little bit more. Um, For us, culture is probably the most important thing. So we want to make sure that the people that we make this acquisition from, um, we want them to be involved as the founder. So we want to make sure that the the values are aligned. Once we know that that's a fit, we understand the business model and the financials of that brand are in a good place. That's when we turn it over to our M&A team. And the M&A team really moves forward with a lot of the due diligence from there. And then once the acquisition is inked, the there's uh, our horsepower brands has uh, uh, their so they work with our M and A team to really launch that business. Josh and I are really involved in the beginning at the branding standpoint, hiring of the brand manager or something, the, the brand president role, and then really on uh, the vision of that brand. So we're the visionaries of the organization. So we want to look at what are the differentiators? How are we going to outcompete in the customer acquisition space uh, of uh, uh, as far as how are we going to get those homeowners? So we were heavily involved in a lot of the beginning aspects of that. And then once we make that decision, our team goes out and executes. It sounds to me like your philosophy isn't very much in keeping with those of some luminaries that have been very, very successful in the franchise space, like a Mike Isaacson or a David McKinnon, names of people who've been there, done that, developed very successful brands because they, like you, seem to be very keenly focused in on the franchisee's success, the franchisee's ability to make money. You guys are all about that, are you not? You know, they're, they're a franchise success, a franchise system doesn't exist without profitable, successful franchisees. I do think one of the things that we're doing differently is that if you look at most franchise systems across the country, they, they really just give you a, they give you an operations manual. It's a 200 page document that you probably don't read that tells you how to run that specific business, but they really, you know, they really don't teach you how to be a better entrepreneur 
provide you any guidance or tools to be a better leader or even better person. That was something that was very important to me as a you know, as a franchisee that built a great business and then lost it all. And, and really just because I, I wasn't bettering myself and wasn't bettering my team and wasn't putting the right processes in place. That was something that was important to me. So as we built this out, we do follow that traction model. And there's uh, several books our franchisees get. We have business review calls with them that are all done through a level 10 meeting, just like in traction. And so we're heavily involved in making sure that they have good infrastructure, that they're creating their own vision, their own core values. That's important to make sure that they're set up for success. Because when you launch a franchise brand, especially as an emerging brand, your first 10 people have to be wildly successful to keep growing. If they're not, you're going to have a tough time selling franchises. What are some of those books that you share? Would you share that with this audience? Yeah, there's the E-Myth Revisited, which I always kind of explain as the psychology behind being a business owner. And then it's called Traction by Gina Wickman. And then as they get kind of rolling, we tend to get them rocket fuel so they understand the visionary integrator roles and, and how to execute those. Excellent. You might want to take a look back at the library of interviews done here on Franchise Today. The very last one of the year, last year in December, was Michael E. Gerber, who is the author of The E-Myth. I think you'll enjoy listening to that. So moving forward for us on a day-to-day basis, you guys sound like you're the heads up and your team and your brand presidents will be the heads down. What's the interaction between you and your executive team look like? So when each department report to the CEO, so the CEO is our integrator, Tony Holbert. He does a fantastic job. From an accountability standpoint, he's a part of their level 10s. When we launch a brand, Tony tends to lead the level 10s and then he hands it over to that brand president, really in, I would say, a top tip, tip shape. And after that, we have our executive team here. We have our weekly level 10 that we do that we work with. And then there's lots of key projects that Josh and I tend to work on uh, sometimes together, sometimes separate. So we sit in those more from a guidance and leadership and experience. My focus is heavily on franchise development. So we have a team here. They have their own level 10s. They have their own VP. So my real role on the development side is uh, really working on the, the offering to make sure that we have the correct language in the FDD, that the expenses dictated out are in line with making sure the franchisees can be successful, et cetera. But we follow that. We, st- we follow that traction process almost to the T where the same level 10 starts on time, ends on time, same format every week. Are you guys all under one roof? Are you all out in the Midwest together or are you remotely located around the country? Great question. So Josh is in Philadelphia. So the office, the horsepower office is here in Omaha, Nebraska, and I'm in the office every day. 75% of our company is in the office every day. We do contribute our culture to having people in the office every single day, being able to collaborate and improve each other. So one of the things that we talk about is intellectual capital. If everybody is in the same place working towards the same goals with different skill sets and different things that they're good at, bad at. They tend to collaborate and that collaboration here in the office happens a lot more frequently than remotely. But we see that we further everyone's intellectual capital a lot further that way. But yeah, in 2021, I think we hired over 70 people and most of those people are in the office. I guess COVID didn't get in your way then, did it? Uh, You know, most of our hires came from referrals within the business. So we'd hire one great person. That person had some people that they thought were fantastic to work with and and great at their job and met our culture. And um, a lot of them came from existing employees. How do you vet for franchisees when it comes to culture being such a large part of your lexicon? How do you assure I can see clearly how you'll do that with with hires and people that you're seeing every day. What's the magic that you can share with this audience about doing that remotely and bringing on franchisees that are consistent with your mission, vision, and values? You know, the, it starts with the franchise development process. And I really do believe that there's a lot of truth to this is if you work with, say, an FSO or you're new to franchise development, you know, Stan, you're, you're really 
you're trying to cast your net as big as you can and make your process appeal to as many candidates as possible. And I, I really don't think that's the right way to do it. I've never done it that way. So our development process is, is somewhat tailored to discourage people that might not be the right fit. And so we'll start with like, say for an example, uh, the financial requirements. When we look at our item sevens that we're creating, we're front loading a lot of the first year's costs. We're being pretty, uh, I would say bullish on the amount of working capital that they need. And this tends to raise the costs of the item seven by a hundred to $200,000 per concept. So just by doing that one thing, we eliminate people that most likely wouldn't meet the financial requirements. It also makes people that tend to have a little bit more aggressive or risk-taking personality. It doesn't scare them away, but the more conservative, I'd say analytical type of thinkers, it tends to it tends to deter them. But we want people that meet our values and we're aggressive. We like to grow. We want to be empire builders. So that's one portion of that. Uh, the second is that who you hire as a development rep is very important. If they don't meet the culture, uh, if you look at the top 10 franchises that you placed, if they're not very similar in personality and values to the people that you're placing, there's probably an issue. But the, the franchise development development rep has to know who you're looking for and be held accountable to not bring anybody to a discovery day or for an approval that they don't feel can meet that. Then that's an important part. The last two, I think are specific to horsepower. We only want to work with optimistic people. So the glass has got to be half full. I mean, it's literally written in the presentation that we only want to work with optimistic people. And a lot of times on the first call, they'll read that and go, well, I would be more of the glass is half empty and that's okay. It's just, you're not going to work in our organization. Uh, we want to work with people that are optimistic, that, that there is a solution to every problem, that there's a way to do things, et cetera. And from a franchise or perspective, you create a better culture with franchisees that have that mentality. They're more likely to share best practices, to innovate, to move the organization further. The last is an empire builder. So we want multi-branded franchisee owners. So uh, as of today, we've, we have two franchisees that own both Mighty Dog Roofing locations and Blingle. And so we want empire builder franchisees and that's put in our process to say, this is who we're looking for. We want franchisees that want to own multiple brands or one umbrella in a protected area to build a big business. And I think our aggressive nature and aggressive approach and how competitive we are comes through in the presentation. Do you utilize any type of assessment tools for your prospective franchisees? We have done in the past with little success. I don't believe they work, to be honest. We've tried several different ones. They can't predict success whatsoever, in my opinion. Interesting. We'll have a sidebar conversation about that and take that one offline. Let's move forward in terms of vision. Where are you guys heading in the next three to five? And can you even predict the next three to five years in the post-COVID world we're living in today? Yeah, we operate every day. You know, with COVID, it's tough. I think you just have to look out and and just still plan it, plan the way you're going to plan regardless of what you can control. So our goal is to have 25 concepts and verticals by 2025. So within, call it three years, we'd like to have between a franchise concept and a vertical, 25 operating entities. And a vertical is a business that supports the franchisee. So as of today, for an example, uh, we've launched a digital marketing agency or actually we made an acquisition of a digital marketing agency that supports the franchisees. We have a wholesale distribution company that we created that supports franchise for from a lighting standpoint, where we import the lights from, from Asia ourselves. And then most recently, we launched our, our in-house call center. Um, so those are three vertical integrations that, that we've already made currently. And as we acquire more and more brands, there will be opportunities to be able for us to make money and to control the supply chain and leverage some capital to get better pricing. And the franchisee gets to benefit by having the availability of the product, better pricing, exclusive products, et cetera. So it seems like if I look out and try to telegraph what all of that 
that I've heard today speaks to, it really is very much about the e-myth. You as the franchisor are scaling, helping to scale these businesses and, and grow them to the benefits of your franchisees, their customers and clients, and to you and your team. And you're really leaving the work of the business of being in the business to your operators to put their full attention and resources to. Am I about right? You're exactly right. I just explained this to someone the other day and it, it kind of clicked for them. We were very blessed to have two exits to private equity with previous brands. So we know how much value can be created from a franchisee royalty stream. And if you can increase the average unit volume the first and second year by say two hundred to $500,000, and it is, you can spend several millions of dollars early on to do that and get a fantastic return on your investment. And most people don't realize the value. So they're very bootstrap approach to customer acquisition or entrepreneurship and training. But we know the value that can be created and how much benefit that is. So compared to if you take a horse power brands franchise concept and compared to any other emerging brand out there, we'll have a bigger corporate staff. We'll have uh, better access to technology. We'll have most likely the most innovative way to generate customers because we own the digital marketing agency. But we're we're applying a lot of capital to R&D to make sure that we're top of class and that we can not only be better and differentiate ourselves from the competitors in this space from a franchise level, but also at a franchisee level, we want to be better than the competition in their space. But we know that if we can get those franchisees off the ground a lot more aggressively, that time for us to uh, to build their business creates a lot more value uh, long-term. That's just sensible and incredibly smart thinking. And I couldn't agree with you more. What have I not asked you, Zach, that you wish I might have? Because we're coming to that place where it's almost time to thank you for being here. So we made a, we made a couple acquisitions and these are some franchise concepts that went down their own path to franchise. And and in my opinion, they got some pretty poor advice. A few of them would say it takes about $200,000 to franchise your business. And they launched their franchise based on the advice that they got from coaches, mentors, and companies and vendors. And you find the owners doing the franchise development themselves, and then they're pulling people off of their corporate location to help with the franchise support. And it really doesn't work that way. You can't ex- you can't expect franchisees to invest more in a franchise than you have in the infrastructure of the franchise model. So I'm a firm believer it takes a million dollars minimum to launch a franchise business ethically. And as the brand founder, you're most likely a visionary. You tend to be, and you really need to have number one, someone that runs your corporate location with the right infrastructure. And then the franchise model really needs an integrator running that model so that you as the visionary can execute on where you want to take that business. But as a new emerging franchise brand, you know, I think that there's a a lack of transparency of really what it takes to build that business successfully. It's not just hard work. It takes other people and a lot of smart people, as Josh would say, people a lot smarter than us to help build that franchise model successfully. You're filled with a lot of pearls of wisdom, Zach. I've said for years that I think it's gotten too easy to become a franchisor. It first became too easy to become a franchisee. And a lot of people, as you've pointed out aptly in this interview, have gotten into franchising that probably shouldn't have been there. But of late, I see the same too with franchisors who are not prepared to understand what it takes to be successful. And they don't have the cultural pieces in place, which to me really matters most. And I think you've articulated that extremely well here today. I've heard it said by some that culture eats strategy for lunch. Have you heard that expression before? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think you dictate that in everything that I've heard here today. Zach, can you leave the audience with some information about how to find you again? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can go to the website, horsepowerbrands.com. There's our contact information on there to learn more about us. Awesome. Zach, I want to thank you again for taking the time and really for sharing so much with us today. Zach Butler, founding partner of Horsepower Brands. Thanks for joining us on Franchise Today. What a great story. 
and I'm certain many good things lie ahead for Zach, Josh, and those who hitch their wagons to this finely tuned engine called Horsepower Brands. Well, that's it for today. Until next week, I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising. And Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes. 